This is WRAL News, your number one source for local news. More than 200 people are now dead from coronavirus in North Carolina. That's a number now higher than current flu deaths this season in the state. Good evening, everyone. I'm Deborah Morgan. And I'm David Crabtree. Thanks for watching WREL News at 7 with the extended coverage of the virus and its impact on North Carolina. We have more than 6,900 confirmed cases statewide. That's up 40% from a week ago. More than 1,000 are in nursing homes. Within the past hour, we learned three of the new deaths reported today are patients from the Lewisburg Nursing Center in Franklin County. In all, 11 people from the facility have died from COVID-19 related problems and nine others are being treated. Today, the state also laid out plans to give extra food assistance to low-income families. North Carolina is one of four states approved to give those families an additional $250 per child. One of the areas the state pointed out needed to be improved on in order to fully reopen is accessibility to testing. WRL Sloan Heffernan lays out the possible timeline the state health director told us about today. It will take more testing, like the testing being done by the company LabCorp for North Carolina to reopen. State health officials also announced today that they will be reaching out to minority communities to make sure everyone has access to testing. On average, North Carolina is testing about 2,500 cases a day, but state health officials say more testing is needed before we can reopen North Carolina. I want to make sure we know that there are two parts to the testing, the sample collection as well as running those samples at the lab, and we need to increase both. The state health director says collecting samples is also a challenge with the shortage of personal protective equipment like masks and gloves. There are efforts underway to create tests that will not require as much protective gear. We want to be able to collect as many samples as we can, but not use up all of our masks and our gowns and our gloves. And this week, the state is also working to set up additional testing sites to target minority communities. Research shows African-Americans are being hit particularly hard by the virus. The additional testing, along with tracking data and trends, will help determine the best time to reopen our state. This virus is here with us, to go back to the earlier question, until there's a vaccine. And so the question is, how do we reopen in uh, a smart and phased way to make sure that we're pr protecting folks as we go forward here? The state health director said it would likely be weeks, not months, before North Carolina reopens. Evidence that our efforts to flatten the curve are working. Back to you. In his update to the nation tonight, President Trump said the vice president had touched base with governors in each state, giving them a list of labs available to conduct testing. Mark Boyle will have more on that in just a moment. And coming up in 10 minutes, we speak with one of the top researchers in the state about the modeling being done and how our actions have an impact on how this data changes. We knew it was bad, yet just today we learned just how bad the shutdown has hit Wake County's hospitality industry. WREL's Aaron Thomas joins us live in downtown Raleigh with the numbers. Aaron. Yeah, David, when you factor in the many events that were canceled here at the Raleigh Convention Center and other festivals and events throughout Wake County, Wake County officials say you're looking at more than $45 million in total economic loss. Now, obviously, 
Tourism is a huge economic driver here in the county, and more than 75 public events and festivals have been canceled or rescheduled. With the tens of thousands of people no longer staying in town, this leads to a trickle-down effect on area hotels, some of them seeing single-digit occupancy. Wake County Commissioners met virtually this afternoon to discuss how the county can find a way to make up for lost revenue. We think that growth will come slow, um, but, but faster perhaps than what we've seen in prior economic recessions. Um, and so we are assuming that once we get through June, we will continue to see um, more and more growth at a rate of 10% over the prior month. Now, officials say June will be a telling month for if and when uh, this county recovers. I'm speaking with commissioners about that recovery process beginning at 10 on Fox 50. David. Aaron Thomas reporting live in downtown Raleigh. Aaron, thank you. Wrightsville Beach reopened today, but it does not mean you can grab your towels and umbrellas. The beach has several restrictions and sunbathing is one of them. We watched the beach camera today for several hours and we saw one person walking around two o'clock. The beach is only open for exercising, swimming, and water sports. If you're running or jogging, you cannot have groups with more than 10 people. Well, the group Reopen NC plans to protest again tomorrow in Raleigh. They're calling on the governor to lift restrictions and allow businesses to reopen. Today, we ask a local expert about how this growing movement could end up shaping political debates. The public opinion right now is on the side of the governor and on the side of the public health people. But that doesn't mean that in two or three weeks that groups like Reopen NC will not start shifting public opinion as they reference South Carolina, North Carolina beaches and other things. Earlier today, Cullen Browder told us more about this group and asked the founder her thoughts on this as a political movement. You can find that story on WRAL.com. Good evening, I'm Mark Boyle in the Live Center. I've been monitoring the briefing coming out of Washington, D.C. President Donald Trump still speaking right now. He's fielding some questions from reporters about the number of ventilators, the number of tests that are out there. Just about 30 minutes ago, the vice president, Mike Pence, talked about speaking with the governors across the country today, as well as the number of tests that are out there. He says there are enough. Here, take a listen to what he had to say just a short time ago. We told the governors once again today that by our best estimates, we have enough testing capacity today for every state in America to go to phase one if they meet the other criteria of 14 days of reduced cases and sufficient hospital capacity to prepare for any eventuality that may occur. And if you'd like to continue to watch the president's briefing that's happening right now, you can on WRAL2 over the air or online on WRAL.com. Thanks, Mark. North Carolina officials shut down a state prison so those employees can help at another facility with hundreds of coronavirus cases. The employees at Johnston Correctional Institution are being reassigned to the news center on, in Goldsboro. News Correctional has 13 staffers and more than 3,300 inmates. Uh, I'm sorry, 330 inmates affected with the virus. 98% of them do not have symptoms. If you have to go out in Durham, make sure your face is covered. The latest requirement went into effect today. It does not have to be a mask. It can be a scarf or an old T-shirt. The order requires coverings in place where you may not be able to keep social distance from others. This includes, includes places like grocery stores and pharmacies. Mayor Steve Shule tells WREL, as far as he knows, Durham is the first place in the state to enact this policy. 
Duke Regional ER nurse Ashley Wheeler spent her weekend shifts back in the COVID-19 unit. In today's video blog for WREL, she shows us the challenging task she and her colleagues face of getting dressed to work with patients and also spoke with a doctor who usually spends his time dealing with heart patients. I was in charge today and it's been a pretty good day. We've had lots of patients that were being tested for COVID uh, as their primary presenting situation and um, just to rule them out because they may need other procedures or need admission to the hospital. We've had more than a couple of positives today, um, lots of admissions for a variety of things. We uh, are lucky enough to have observers work in our department ever since we started um, having to do this special sort of patient care with our PPE, our, our protective equipment. They are um, staff from throughout the hospital where areas that maybe aren't doing as much as far as their caseload in the OR um, because outpatient cases have been, um, if not completely eliminated, definitely um, shut down a lot. And then we also have Watts nursing students who have come and work in the observer role. So they help us to get dressed and make sure that we have everything that we need, that we're putting it on properly. And then also helping to make sure that we take it off correctly because it's very important. Uh, if you don't take it off properly, then um, you could risk exposure from droplets that may have landed on you. So we really are glad that they're around to help us. We've had lots of support. Um, my old preceptor um, actually brought us in some very nice headbands with the buttons so that we can protect our ears because we're getting very sore ears. And so it's nice. We're getting lots of support from the community. They've been uh, been challenging. It's been uh, quite a quite an experience. It's a new world out there with, uh, with the COVID. Um, stress and I've been really amazed you know just being involved as a cardiologist as well as med staff president how the team um, approach has really worked a lot of good contingency plans and in place and from the front lines of the respiratory staff the ER and the ICU team uh, just amazing care that's been delivered to these patients. Well you can tell how tired they must be, yet so determined to help people. Ashley Wheeler has been a nurse for 13 years, her whole career in the emergency department. WREL worked with the Duke University Health System to identify Wheeler as an exemplary nurse on the front lines of COVID-19. She agreed to do these blogs for us. We thank her and the Duke Health System for the access. And the things we don't think about, how sore the yeah. ears are. Mm -hmm. Oh my, thank you. Well, with more than 200 deaths and the case is still climbing, we take a deeper dive into the projections being used to help steer public policy. Up next, we'll talk with one of the leading researchers in the state about new data and important measures being implemented to get us moving forward. Kat? And it was a rainy Monday morning, but it is a beautiful afternoon looking out over Roxboro. Coming up, we'll take a closer look at what to expect for the day tomorrow. You're watching coverage you can count on with WRAL News. There is a team of experts working with the numbers we bring you every day to predict how the virus spreads, how far reaching the impact could be, 
Earlier this month, the model the state projected as many as 750,000 in North Carolina could be infected by June 1st if all social distancing were to stop at the end of April. One of those working to compile the data, Dr. Aaron McKeithen with the Duke Margolis Health Center for, uh, for Health Policy. He's joining us via Zoom tonight. Dr. McKeithen, thanks for talking with us again. Your team's latest update came in Friday just before the weekend. Have the predictions changed? Well, thank you very much uh, for having me back. Uh, we do see evidence in the last few days and uh, last few weeks that the, the so-called doubling rate of Kate confirmed cases has slowed from a doubling time of about two days at the beginning of the epidemic to five and now 10 days. Uh, and so uh, we want to see those rates continue as uh, testing rates ramp up, as the secretary mentioned uh, earlier in the broadcast. So what does that mean? It means that the rate of growth of the epidemic is uh, getting uh, better. Uh, uh, it seems to have plateaued for now, and that's really encouraging news. It seems to have plateaued for now. So let's talk about the peaks and the importance of that word. We've talked about this a lot. A couple of things here. Should we expect to hear more on plateauing in the coming days? Well, this is a, this is a, of course, a, everything about this is mathematically challenging as well as other ways challenging. It's challenging mathematically because we're not testing nearly enough people yet to get a really clear sense of what plateau means for the whole population. When you reported that about 6,900 or 7,000 or so confirmed cases, that's of course a severe undercount of the true prevalence in the population. As testing goes up, we're gonna see a lot more cases. We think uh, it's not hard to imagine that one week from now, we'll have somewhere between 8,500 and 9,000 cases. Uh, so the caseload's going up, but the, the, the rate of, of transmission seems to be slowing down somewhat. You know, it, it, it's hard to get my head wrapped around the numbers on testing. We keep hearing there's not enough testing. Is there a magic number that would say, this is enough testing? Well, it's a, it's, a hard, it's a good and a hard question, and it's understandable to want to have a number. So uh, one way to think about it is we want every North Carolinian that has symptoms that presents to an emergency department or a hospital or a doctor's office with so-called influenza-like symptoms or influenza-like illness uh, to get to have a test. And we're, we're a ways away from that now. That might be something between 10, maybe 15,000 a day. Uh, hmm. And so I think we're going to have to continue to ramp up, uh, but and, and we are, but it's challenging because these, these are not dictated just by the effort of people here in North Carolina. The challenge is, uh, as you know, is that these are global supply chains. Everyone in the world wants more tests and more uh, equipment. Uh, and so we're, one, we're, in the, we're in the line to get it, but it's, uh, it, it's going to be something we're going to have to keep after. A couple of things real quickly. What if I'm not showing any symptoms, but I want a test? Should I be given one? Well, I would, I would consult a doctor and let a doctor guide you on that. I'm not a physician, uh, but I would say in, a, in, the, in this phase of the epidemic where we do have not enough tests, uh, you know, I think if you can uh, safely stay at home, if you don't have underlying health conditions, my, my bet is your doctor would say, uh, uh, let's save the test for those who really need it. But uh, again, consult your doctor. Your doctor will guide you both about the availability of tests as well as whether you need one. Last question tonight, Dr. McKeithen, if you're talking yeah. with the governor about reopening the state, what do you tell the governor tonight? 
Right. Well, I would tell the governor and uh, members of the, of the General Assembly and anyone who asked that um, the models are only as good as the quality of the data and the completeness of data we have. And that's not really the case here. We don't have perfect data. But what they do do is, is inform us that uh, flipping a switch overnight and turning everything back on as though none of this happened will significantly increase the likelihood uh, that we have a real ramp up in cases and overwhelm the hospitals and uh, emergency departments. Uh, and so I think the way we should be thinking about this less as an on off switch and more like a dimmer switch. We have plenty of capacity in the hospitals sitting here today, but it's not inconceivable that that, that can be, uh, that, can be uh, uh, the, the, that capacity can erode quickly. Um, but the, the key thing is all the hard work and sacrifices by the people across the state as painful and stressful as they've been, are paying off. We've got to stick with this a little longer. Uh, and I'm sure the government will announce some new policies for May and June and July. But this right. is this is not something that will flip on and, and turn back uh, the clock. We'll have to go much more slowly uh, as we move forward. Dr. Aaron McKeithen from Duke, again, we thank you. My pleasure. Businesses are not all struggling. Next on WRL News at 7, we check in with one local business owner who's going above and beyond to help those in need while still keeping customers happy. And the neighborhood heroes who helped make what was supposed to be a Raleigh couple's wedding day so special. The surprise they pulled off over the weekend just ahead. You're watching coverage you can count on with WRL News. We started the Monday with rain, wind, and sunshine. Cat Campbell's here. Cat. And tomorrow, only a 20% chance of rain. What we're going to have to deal with tomorrow is going to be the wind. It is going to be the widespread issue that we face tomorrow. Blustery with winds gusting up to 35 miles per hour. Other than that, rain chances tomorrow on the lower side, and it really should be a beautiful day. Temperatures start in the low 50s tomorrow morning, but we're back in the upper 60s by lunchtime. If you're working from home, doing school from home, it's going to be a beautiful day to take your laptop or your computer out on your porch. High temperatures climb into the lower 70s tomorrow afternoon. Back to you. Mm, sounds great. Kat, thank you. A local business owner wants his followers to know his pizza shop is open and the staff is committed to serving the community, including those on the front lines. Joining us now is Ephraim Yates, owner of Your Pie and Carrie. Ephraim, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, unfortunately, we've had to report the same headlines for many small businesses in our area, layoffs and closings. None of that for your restaurant, a small business, though. Can you talk about how you approached this pandemic and more importantly, how you responded? Well, I think um, as with every small business owner, of course, we're all in the same boat, right? We're all sort of managing this the best way that we possibly can. But I think one of the things that has constantly been top of mind for me is that, you know, being that we're in this together, it's up to us to sort of rally together as a restaurant community. I've been really sort of proactive about supporting my local restaurant tours. I've made sure to, you know, buy lunches or buy meals for my staff from local restaurants. And likewise, local restaurants have supported me, right? And so I think from that standpoint, that's just sort of how we've been able to manage it. And yeah, it's tough for everyone. This is a new normal that we're all adjusting to. But at the same time, you know, we've tried our best to stay positive 
you know, remain focused and most importantly, keep our staff safe and our community safe. Yeah, and we should point out you have not received any federal relief, including from the Paycheck Protection Program, right? Correct. Obviously, as with you know, every small business owner, we were initially excited about the loans from the Small Business Administration, and you know, we did our due diligence and we applied immediately once the application was released. And you know, unfortunately for a lot of small business owners, those funds had run out, but. You know, that said, you know, my application is still in queue. And in addition to that, we're going to do what we always do. You know, we're still going to be very much plugged into our community. We're still going to do the most we can to give where we can, right? There are still kids who are facing and families facing food insecurity. There are still, you know, healthcare workers on the front line. And I feel that now is not the time to necessarily be negative, but it's to sort of double down on compassion and double down on empathy. And so that's just been our focus is there's still so much work to be done, even if our dining room isn't full and we've just been trying to do our part, you know. What a beautiful message. Ephraim Yates, owner of Your Pie and Carry, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Friends and loved ones made sure to show a Raleigh Cuppy how, how much couple that how much they're loved on what would have been their wedding day. Take a look. <laughs> Saturday was the scheduled wedding date for Kristen Burke and Wes Bradshaw. They were able to push their ceremony back to the fall, but some of their friends, family and vendors, including their wedding planner, florist and their baker surprised them with a mini reception on Saturday by showing up to their Raleigh home and celebrating six feet apart outside their wedding song even played. If you would like to nominate someone to be featured as Neighborhood Hero, just go to WRL.com and search Hero. We would love to share their story. Thank you so much for joining us for our News at 7. Our next newscast tonight at 10 on Fox 50, 11 here on WRL. Have a great and safe night.